This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Remember the days of Freedom 55, living debt-free for the rest of your life after the age of 55? I think it was a campaign back in the 1990s. Well, that is no longer the reality for Zoomers, especially since people are living so much longer. Funding that longer life costs money, and planning is key in making it happen. But planning is something that nearly half of Canadians don't seem to be doing. According to a new survey conducted for CIBC, 48% of Canadians say they are not planning to cut back their spending on non-essential items to help eliminate their debt, pay day-to-day bills, or focus more on making investments. Does this sound like you? Or do you have a financial plan you'd like to share with the rest of us? 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Jamie Gollenbeck is the Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Wealth Strategies Group. He joins us on the line. Jamie, half of Canadians are living in denial. Well, it seems to be the case. I mean, the good news, I guess, the only thing we can take positive is that at least 70% of them didn't take on any new debt in the last year. But yes, it is a concern, and I think people really need to come up with a plan. What is classified as non-essential items? Is that like vacations, clothing you may not need, restaurants? Yeah, I would say anything other than uh, food and shelter, basically. Mm-hmm. So you know, you've got a house, you have utilities, you may have mortgage payments, things like that. Uh, food, heating, you know, water, transportation to and from work, right? That would be all essential stuff. But non-essential stuff is your discretionary items, eating out, entertainment, travel, things like that, gifts. And why then? Why would almost half of Canadians not want to be more financially responsible? Is, is it too easy to be in debt, too easy to attain more credit? Well, I think credit is easy, but I think it's just they, they, they can, there's so much to buy these days. The selection is overwhelming, and the access to buying stuff online, on tablets, on iPhones, you push a button, and sometimes you can have it delivered the same day for free. And we've seen that you know, just this holiday season with people spending. It's just so easy to spend money. There's so much to spend it on. And there's so much tech in everyone's lives that I think people are spending more than ever, and therefore uh, it's very hard to cut back. But doesn't this uh, reflect the system that it is too easy for people to spend money that they don't actually have? Well, it is. I think people need to be very responsible. I think people really need to make sure that they have a handle on their credit. And if they're unable to pay the full amount every month, then they really should sit down with a financial advisor to come up with a plan that helps them get out of debt. And here's an opportunity for you to talk to somebody who knows financial planning inside and out. Jamie Gollenbeck with a, with us uh, for the half hour CIBC Wealth Strategies Group, 416 360 
1-866-740-4740. And then we have the other half of Canadians who I assume are being responsible. Well, they're being responsible in terms of their planning to reduce their spending on non-essential items to meet their goals. But, you know, the problem with that is that only a quarter will actually set a household budget. And that is a concern because the only way you're really going to be able to reduce your spending is to have a budget, stick to the budget, monitor the budget, and make adjustments as necessary. You're not going to be able to do this without a written financial plan or budget. So let's sit down and make a budget. You have to look at the money that's coming in, and then you've got to look at the essential expenditures that are going out. I would assume that's the first thing you do. Well, that's absolutely right. We would look at the non-discretionary expenses. And, of course, the biggest expense for many people is taxes. That's the number one item, especially depending on your tax rate, and your tax bracket, your income level. That could be a huge chunk of your take-home pay. So take a look at taxes. Make sure you're doing things to minimize those taxes throughout the year, speaking to an accountant or financial advisor. And then really put together a list of things that you just have to pay every month, whether it's the mortgage, whether it's rent, uh, you know, heat, hydro, gas, things like that, and a budget for basic groceries. And then you'll have your net disposable income. And from that point, you can decide where is the excess cash. Hopefully there is excess cash going because if you're already at a deficit position, it's going to be a big problem without a major transition, like finding a new place to live. Your survey, the survey done for CIBC, shows that debt payment is the biggest financial priority, but only for 20%, 28% of respondents. So they are most concerned with credit card debt, lines of credit, paying back their debt. So that's what you're saying when you get to the end of that budget process. If you do have money left over, that those people would put that money towards debt, yes? Yes, and I think that makes good sense. After all, uh, mortgages are not overly a concern as long as you can afford them. Uh, interest rates on those mortgages are typically two and a half, three percent, depending on when you got it. Uh, not a huge expense; doesn't cost a lot. The problem, of course, is consumer debt. Whether it's a credit card at twenty percent interest rate, whether it's other retail cards at thirty percent at some of the big stores. Uh, or whether it's even car loans that can be 7 to 10%. So these are all concerns. This is consumer debt, and this is very, very expensive to carry the debt, much less get out of the debt. Why is retirement saving not at higher on the list of priorities for Canadians? Well, I think it should be. I mean, in fact, we did see a slight increase in terms of growing wealth and investments from our survey this year to last year. So in this year's survey, 11% of respondents so their top financial goal was to grow their wealth and their investments. Last year, that was only 7%. And that might be because we've had a very good year in, in most stock markets and, and financial markets. But I think, you know, retirement, for some people, it's still a bit of time away. People procrastinate. Uh, they think, oh, well, we can save tomorrow. And, of course, I think that retirement planning needs to be on that list. Some of the other findings, uh, interesting, almost one-third of those surveyed said the primary reason for overspending was day-to-day expenses beyond their monthly income. Presumably, those are expenses that they have to, those are bills they have to pay, and they just simply don't have enough money coming in. In that scenario, what has to go? What should be downgraded? 
Well, I think people have to look at their lifestyle living, you know, day-to-day expenses. Again, you know, you could order takeout and ultimately go out to eat. That could be considered by some people as a day-to-day expense. So what I would do is go through what I tell people to do at the beginning of the process is when they come in to see me or see any financial advisor, bring three months of expenses. So three months of credit card bills, three months of bank deposits and withdrawals. Because over a three-month period, you're going to get a trend. You're going to get an idea. What you may consider essential day-to-day, we might be able to look at objectively and say, well, look how much you're spending in this category. This is not typical for someone at your income level. Is there any way that you could take a lunch to work, uh, you know, visit that coffee shop you know, two times a week instead of four times a week, things like that? if you're in a situation where you don't have enough cash at the end of the day. We're speaking with Jamie Gollumbeck, Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Wealth Strategies Group. It's free financial advice for you until the bottom of the hour, 416-360-0740, Or maybe as a Zoomer, you have some of your own advice to pass along about how you manage your finances and how that works for you. Let's go to the phones now. Joan in Niagara, you're on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Go ahead. Oh, good morning. Um, maybe these people are using the government as an example. <laughs> I mean, why not? Go on the dole. Everybody else is. And expenses, hydro, heating for your home. Now, is, is that a necessary expense? Well, and that's exactly, Jamie, what uh, CARP, A New Vision of Aging, they've got a campaign going about uh, food or heat. Uh, food, which do you choose? Um, and, that's, and that is a reality for a lot of people. Yeah, there's no doubt that the cost of heating, certainly here in Ontario, is very high and has gone up a lot. And that is taking a huge chunk of people's budgets. And so that is a concern. And there needs to be things that we do, obviously, on a socioeconomic level to look at those costs, particularly for lower income, uh, you know, Canadians. And I think that is a concern. But, you know, we have to put this in the context of our budget. I'm not saying to go without heat by any stretch or go without food. These are essentials. But, you know, what we're trying to focus on is are people getting into debt because they have to heat their home or is there some other issue that is causing this problem. And Joan was, I mean, she's she's being rhetorical there. She's kind of making a joke about the federal government. But maybe it's endemic in our society that overspending, spending money that we don't have, uh, the governments, federal, municipal, provincial, they're not a very good example maybe to the average Canadian. So there is that attitude, well, why should I do the right thing if nobody else is? Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. But, I mean, of course, the difference is that we are going to be personally responsible for our own debt. Whereas, of course, the collective debt, we're all responsible and future generations are responsible. So I think there's a less of sense of ownership with that. But you're right. It's not a great example. Let's get back to the phones here. Ed in Toronto, what would you like to ask or comment about? Well, uh, the other lady sort of touched on it, and he, he touched on it. He says the first thing on his item to reduce, if possible, is taxes. Well, in order to reduce taxes, I think it's time that people ask at all levels of government that they have the right of recall, like in California, and I understand they got it in one of the states now, and British Columbia in Canada has that. So when they go ahead and 
possibly do things that they weren't um, on their election platform or whatever, like selling hydro off and, uh, you know, canceling gas plants and all that. In order to reduce taxes, we have to reduce it at, at the level of municipal, federal, and provincial. And I think the right of recall will give people uh, leverage to be able to get responsible spending at that level. And everything else he says about having the extra coffee is true. But uh, in order to really get ourselves in, into shape, the first item he mentions is taxes. And the only time we'll ever get that is when every level of government runs on a platform of the right of recall so that we can uh, rein in our expenses at the first item, taxes, okay. that he mentioned. Okay, Ed, thank you. We are speaking with Jamie Gollenbeck, Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Wealth Strategies Group, reducing your taxes. So let's talk very specifically about that. Yeah, it's a number one concern. I mean, taxes for most people that we speak to are the number one most expensive line item on the family income statement. Uh, you know, the tax rate in Ontario, depending on how much you make, if you're very fortunate uh, and you make a lot of money, the tax rate in Ontario is actually 53.5%, meaning at the very high end, that's the top 1%, of course, but at that level, uh, the message is that you can't even keep half your money. You work hard, you start a business, you employ people, and uh, at the end of the day, we'll take 53.5%. That's the combined federal and Ontario income tax. And, of course, on top of that, there's municipal taxes and other things like that. So, um, you know, that sounds high at the high end, and I think it is high psychologically. 50% or more is a barrier to work. But even at lower levels, we have high levels of, of taxation, and that's obviously related to government spending in many cases. So I think that, you know, the, the caller does have a very good point in terms of, you know, the message that governments seem to be sending in terms of being responsible uh, to be able to stick to the budget. And uh, I think that's a great example for the rest of us. And the only real concrete way to reduce your taxes is to have write-offs when you file your income taxes for the previous year. So contributing to your RSP, for example, will get you some money back the next year. Other than that, you're getting your net income paycheck every couple of weeks, and you don't ever see your tax money. It just goes to your employer, who then sends it to the government. Well, that's right. And uh, effectively, what you should be doing is looking at maybe there are more creative ways uh, to reduce taxes throughout the entire year. So, you know, things like if you are, you know, making a charitable donation, mm-hmm. for example, you know, what's the most tax effective way to make that donation? Are, are there more than $200 a year? Are you pooling donations with your spouse or partner to get higher credit levels? If you're donating significant amounts of money, uh, would you consider donating maybe a stock that's gone up in value or a mutual fund that's appreciated in value. Not only would you get a receipt, but you pay no capital gains tax on those type of incentives. So there are a number of more sophisticated types of plans that one can do uh, that if you speak to a professional financial advisor or an accountant, maybe they can help you try to reduce your tax burden throughout the year. And even in retirement, things like spousal RSPs, things like pension splitting, we want to make sure that every senior is fully aware of those opportunities, converting an RSP to a RIF early at age 65 so that each of you can get the pension income credit. There's some basic tax planning strategies that I think everyone should be taking advantage of to try to reduce the very high tax burden that we all face. Let's go to Brian in East York. You're on Zoomer Radio. Brian, go ahead. Yes, I'd like to make a comment about the RRSPs. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I uh, I decided I got into them when I was working, and uh, now that I'm retired and I've reached the ripe old age of uh, 71, the government has decided that they will tell me when I they I have to take a certain percentage of my RRSPs out every year. And in doing that, which happened last year, uh, I got a deposit put into my bank. And now this is the last year I had to pay more taxes because it put me into a higher tax income. Right. Now, there, ha- there have been some efforts in Ottawa, right, Jamie, to get that uh, changed. Well, absolutely. So what has happened, and people have to understand, of course, is that when money was put into an RSP, uh, no tax was paid whatsoever on that money. So let's say years ago you put $1,000 into your RSP. That means you earned $1,000 of income, and you paid no tax on the income when you earned it. It sat in the RSP for hopefully decades, grow on a completely tax-free basis. Now when you retire, it's time to pay tax. The theory with the RSP, and the reason why I believe that even the callers should still be ahead, other than the minority of people, most people are in a higher tax bracket during their working life than they are when they retire. So the fact that when you take the money out of the RIF, which is the succession of the RSP, you are going to pay tax. And yes, it does put you in a higher tax bracket than you otherwise would be if you were merely just collecting your OAS and your CPP. Your tax bracket should still, in most people's cases, be lower than the tax bracket you were in when you made the contribution. Right. That's the, way not, your fi- that's the way your financial planner sets it up for you. That's right. And if not, people shouldn't be doing RSPs. Let me make it clear. <laughs> yes. Don't do an RSP if your tax rate today is low and it could be higher when you retire. Instead, do a tax-free savings account because then you pay tax today at a low rate. And when you take it out later, if you're going to be in a higher bracket, you don't pay any tax at all. And that's a discussion that we have regularly with our clients each and every day when they come talk to us about retirement planning. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Financial planning here with Jamie Gollenbeck, Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Wealth Strategies Group. He's joining us just for a couple more minutes, so we'll keep our questions nice and tight. Jim from Brampton, you're on. Go ahead. Yes, uh, my question is regarding, you would call it uh, the opposite end of your, your topic. I'm a person who looked after myself, looked after my savings, and prepared for uh the eventual retirement and uh i'm being persecuted by the government now due to the mandated withdrawal i'm paying more taxes now than i did when i worked so is there any advice that a uh, financial advisor could give people in the future that don't get caught up in the same <clears throat> scenario as i've been caught jim thank you we'll get right to jamie yeah, well, I think the advice that we're giving now is that, fortunately, people since 2009 have had a tax-free savings account, which we didn't have back when we were, we were saving. So our advice today is sit down with a financial advisor, look at your tax bracket today, and uh, try to estimate what your tax rate might be when you retire. Because, again, if you think your tax rate today is low and it's going to be higher when you retire – then we would not do RSPs. Instead, we would put every dollar we have of savings into a tax-free savings account. It's $5,500 a year. It's going to be another $5,500 next year. Remember, that's after-tax dollars. 
So again, there's a big opportunity for savings. Canes who haven't contributed will soon be able to put up to 52000 into a TFSA starting in January. If you've never made a contribution before, this is a great alternative, something that we did not have in the last few decades. You have the option. Raymond in Etobicoke, go ahead. Hi. My situation is uh, similar to your last uh, caller. Um, I think the basic uh, deduction should be whatever uh, the poverty level figure is that they come out with, because like your previous caller, uh, I'm hit with $10,000 additional uh, income tax uh, because of mandatory RIF withdrawals. And I don't have a million dollars. I have a modest amount. And, uh, you know, it's difficult. I'm not in debt, but it's difficult providing for yourself. Example, I received a notice from my previous employer that my pension, private pension, which is a defined benefit plan, is going up $10.50 next month. Oh, whoopee. i got to pay tax on that. A couple of days later, I get a notice from Bell Canada. My home phone, Internet, and satellite is going up Mm $10.51. You can't get ahead. So your your question quickly, then? Well... I don't know that you're I guess I guess the question here is when you're on a fixed income, Jamie, uh, what are some of the priorities that you ha- should have then when you're in your working years? Well, yeah, I think it's important to budget for retirement, but also to budget for taxes in retirement as well. We have to remember when we put money into an RSP, we cannot spend every dollar of that because when it comes out again, it will be taxed. So when we do a budget plan, we sit down and we, we, we invite people to come in and speak to our financial advisors at CIBC, we will actually do a retirement plan for you and we'll build a tax rate into that assumption so that we make sure that we budget for those taxes so that it's not a surprise and we have enough cash uh, to spend because things do go up, hydro goes up, bell goes up, uh, phone goes up, uh, and it becomes expensive. Jamie, thank you. Excellent half hour. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.